Hello, and welcome to the Living Word Pensacola podcast. Here you will find teaching from our weekly services where we focus on developing a Christ-centered life. We are delighted you have chosen to spend time with us today, and we know today's message has the power to help you grow with your faith journey. So, let's turn our hearts and our minds to God's Word as we begin today's episode. We've been talking about a bunch of different things. We've been talking about uh, your words and the power of your words. We've been talking about uh, standing in faith and believing God. But I find it interesting as I, you know, it's the holiday season. Last week, we were talking about reaching out into this world and really being focused on what God's focused on, and that's people. People are the single most important thing to God. That's, our world is too distracted by stuff, by, by money, by, by things, by you know, vacations and places, when God's saying what's most important to him is people. I mean, we're in the end times. We're in the times where Jesus could come back in our lifetime. We could see the second coming. You know, the signs of the times are there with things that are going on in Israel, things that are going on overseas. And God's saying, what's important to me is that every man has an opportunity to be in the kingdom, to to spend eternity in heaven with him. And his heart's cry is for people. They are his treasure. That's where he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, what God's focused on right now is people. We have so many people. I was sitting in the mall when we did a little shopping, you know, around Thanksgiving. Yes, we were crazy enough to go to the mall right up to Thanksgiving, and it was packed. There were people everywhere, right? And as I'm sitting in the middle of the mall where my wife is going through the scent store, what is the bed, bath, beyond? Nope, that's not it. Bath and Body Works, I get those mixed up. So she's going through Bath and Body Works to get all the things to make our house not smell like it's full of boys, which it is, but she does a really good job of making it not smell like it's full of boys, right? But I'm sitting there in the middle of the mall watching all these people come by. And I'm just going, I wonder if they all know Jesus. I wonder if they know him. I wonder if they've had an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And I just see these mass amounts of people. And I feel like the Lord was just crying out. I, I, I feel... His, his cry of, will someone tell them? Will someone be my voice? Will someone be my hands and my feet? You know, this world is seeking love. They're seeking acceptance, forgiveness, family. When you talk to someone who's not in church or someone that's struggling in this world, you, you run across several different things. Even if you run across a person who's angry, have you ever just had one of those people that just seems angrily and they're aggressive and they're in your face? When you, when you peel away that hurt, when you peel away that anger and that aggressiveness, what you'll find is someone that just wants to belong, someone that wants to be accepted into a group, someone that either needs forgiveness or healing because there's hurt, you know, it's hurting people that hurt people. When you peel away this mask that they've put on the outside of self-defense, which is what they're trying to do, they're trying to protect themselves. When you peel all this away, there's a person that needs God. There's a person that needs a relationship with Jesus. There's a person that doesn't understand that all of these things will not make them complete except for a relationship with him, right? And you see a world full of hurting people and what they're desperately searching for, they don't even know that you have the answer. You have the very thing that can bring peace into their life and they, they search through all these things. We talked about a lot of this last week. When you talk to somebody that's a baby Christian or maybe that just started going to church and just getting saved, what they're searching, what they're looking for is understanding. They wanna know how God works, right? It's like someone that decides they're gonna come hang out in the Phillips house, right? I remember when Itamar, he's our friend that was a student up here, he's from Israel, 
and he came and he's in our house and he's learning the Phillips ways, right? We pray before our meals and there's certain things that we do that are just part of being a Phillips. Like you can come just stay in our house. And he was like, no, I have to pay rent. I'm like, you're not paying me any money. You know, he didn't have a place to stay last summer. He stayed at our house for several months. Well, and then I'll do some yard work. I said, well, if you want to help with yard work, you're more than welcome to, but I'm not taking your money, you know, just because you're going to stay in my house for a few months. It's just how we are. But he's learning what it meant to be in the family. And by the, by the end, he was comfortable enough where he's making his own food. He's getting into the fridge. You know, he's accessing the benefits and the blessings of being in the family without asking without knowing, you know, he has the code to the house to get in. He has access to all the benefits and blessings of the house because he learned what it took. That's what a baby Christian is going through. When they, when they come into church, when they're getting saved, when they're getting to know God, they need to learn how to have access in the kingdom. They need to know what it means to be a child of God. They need to know what it means to be, you know, what, what his tithe was offering. Why do we give? Why do we do what we do? You know, a lot of Christians have gone to church for most of their life and they get in these traditions and ruts and they never question, why am I doing this? Do I know why I'm doing Do I know why I tithe? Do I know why I give money to the church? Other than the church seems to be, a lot of churches, all they do is ask for money, right? Then you listen to some preachers on TV when they're, well, I'll send you blessing if you give me money. Well, I'm not sure I found that anywhere in the Bible, but there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of misteachings when it comes to money. Why do, I, why, why, why do I bring money into the church? Why do I raise my hands during worship? Why do I stand during worship? Why do we do what we do? Do we know why? Have we taken the time to understand our relationship or we just come in and try to act like everyone else and have no relationship and no, do we don't know why we do what we do? You know, what's the history behind it? See, in the Phillips house, if you come in and you ask about something, you're gonna hear a story because I'm a storyteller. Therefore, my whole family's storytellers. My kids are that way. They've got it naturally. Comes from dad, right? You're going to hear the history of all the different things that we did when we were on this vacation. We went on this trip and you could tell all the boys love telling stories all the way from top to the bottom because they're just like dad, right? When you're in the kingdom of heaven and when you're in the church, you should know why. There's nothing wrong with asking, well, why do we do that? Well, they just need some knowledge, right? That's what baby Christians do when they come in and they learn, they grow, and they understand what it means to be in the family. And so they know that they have access to the throne room of heaven. Come boldly before the throne of grace so that you may obtain your need and your mercy in your time of need. They have to understand their relationship with God. But most people I have discovered that have been in church for a while or are walking with God, the number one question that I as a pastor get asked the most is how do you hear God's voice? That's usually where most Christians will struggle. I want to know God is talking to me. I want to hear his voice. So this morning we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about how do I hear God's voice, okay? Now the Bible is very clear. We spent several weeks talking about this. We are a spirit, right? We have a soul. We live in a body. We are a three-part being made in his image who is a spirit, right? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's a three-part being. We're a three-part being made in his image, right? Most people try to access God through their soul instead of their spirit. They try to understand God. If I can just grasp or understand what God is trying to teach me, or if I can just read the word and understand it here and get in their head and try to relate to God in their head or their soul instead of understanding that our access to God is through our spirit. We are spirit first beings, right? We've taught that 
several weeks in a row. We have to be spirit first, right? Now it says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So that in Christ, right, those who are in Christ Jesus, Christ means the anointed one. So in other words, those are walking in his anointing. How do you walk in Christ's anointing? You have to walk in, that's a spiritual application. It's not a understanding, it's not flesh or a body thing. That is a spiritual application, the anointing of Christ, okay? So how can you tell that you are walking in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh? Well, if you're walking in the flesh or your soul, you're gonna see condemnation. Ever felt condemned? You've gone to church and you heard a message, you're just feeling condemned? Like, ah, this is just, they're just trying to put me down. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction is the Holy Spirit on the inside that's saying, hey, let's make some change. Condemnation is, I just feel like junk. Like, I can't do anything right. There's a difference, okay? When you are following him after the Spirit and pursuing after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. You'll see something that's wrong. You'll see an area of growth. You won't be condemned by it. You'll be motivated to change, okay? That's the first sign, that you're walking after the Spirit. If you're walking after the Spirit, you won't feel condemnation. Now, it says if you jump to verse eight, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Remember we learned faith is required to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It says that in Hebrews, right? We also know that walking in the flesh does not please God. So he wants us walking in the spirit, being a spirit first being, as well as standing in faith. So we know that being in faith and being in the spirit are tied together because they're both pleasing to God, right? So verse 13, jump a little bit further. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you wanna know first step on how to be led by God? You have to understand you're a spirit first person. Your spirit that is inside of you preexisted in heaven, the Bible said, and was sent from heaven to this earth when you were born at the time of your conception, right? And then you have your soul and your body. Your body is gonna die in this world. Your spirit and your soul live on in heaven forever with Jesus. Your soul is renewed. And eventually it says you're gonna get a new body, but that's not what we're talking about today, so we won't go down that path. But God wants to lead you through your spirit because he is a spirit, our ultimate connection with God is through your spirit. Now, as it was taught, you were talking about Brother Hagen, a father in faith. He was the one that founded the college that I went to and the one that taught on faith and the one that was kind of our father in faith that led before us. He used to talk, talk about the still small voice. It's just that you know that some, have you just had that knowing on the inside where you just know that God's telling you to do something? You know it's not coming from your head. You know it's not coming from something you understand. You just feel the leading on the inside. That's your spirit, man right? Accessing the spirit of heaven through the Holy Spirit. There's our connection. And I'll show you that just here in a minute. But God gives direction through your spirit with his spirit. First Corinthians 2, 9 says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Okay. Step one, love God, right? For those that love him will press into him. And he says, if you will seek me, you'll find me when you're seeking me with all your heart. That's the cool thing. It says, if you love God and you press into God, you're gonna find God. There is no other challenge. There is no, you have to do 14 steps and all these hoops. He says, you love God, 
You press into God, you're going to find God. He's not hiding from anyone. He's not out there saying, all right, you have to do all of these things first. No, he's saying those that come to me, I'm here for them, ready to give them rest. Okay? Now, God, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit that teaches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? So, we've, so uh, even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Our access to the spirit of God is through his spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. Right? And that is our, we, we taught on several weeks back when we were in the house, we taught on the Holy Spirit upon and the Holy Spirit within, right? That spirit within, that's that spirit that you receive at salvation. That's our access. That was the, the Holy Spirit that was sent to be our comforter, our guide, our instructor, the one that is there to teach us things, to show us things to come. He's the one that's speaking to us on the inside. Have you ever had that moment when you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden you see something that you never saw before and you just have this knowing on the inside like this new revelation of, wow, I never quite understood it like that. That's the Holy Spirit revealing revelation knowledge to you, right? That's coming from heaven. God's Spirit speaking to our spirit, showing us things to come. That's how things are revealed. So your primary number one way of hearing from God it's not some audible voice. As a matter of fact, in all the years, Brother Hagin talked, I think there was like two times, three times in his entire life where he ever heard the audible voice of God. And every single time, I remember him saying this, every single time when there was an audible voice of God, it's because something majorly was about to go wrong or he really needed to hear it. Now, there was something that was like a problem. God wants to lead you and guide you through your spirit, through your inward man which is why we have to spend time in his presence. We spend time praying. We spend time quieting our brain. We spend time quieting all of the things in this world that are trying to distract us, right? Whether it be the social media or the television or it be the radio or all this stuff that is trying to distract us from hearing the voice of God. And we quiet ourselves. We spend time pressing in saying, God, I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear your voice, which is why we spend time reading the word because we know the word is God speaking to us right? If I want to understand something about somebody, I'm going to, if I, you know, if they wrote a book, I'm going to read their book to learn about them because it's things they've already written. He wrote this book to us. And when we read this book, we know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know when we're hearing something on the inside, if it's contrary to what we're hearing in the book, then we know it's not God because God says, yeah, I'll never change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not going to tell you something contrary to what the word of God says. He does not break that way. Okay, now, I'm getting a little bit off on a rabbit trail here, but you don't know without listening on the inside, and you are not exactly who you think you are, because you're a deep spiritual person waiting to happen. I've been saying that several times over the last couple of weeks. You are a deep spiritual person waiting to happen. God wants to show you who you are after the Spirit, because He made you a Spirit, and that is the perfect, complete you. That's who He wants you to be. Too many times we look at what's on the outside, we look at our natural giftings and we think that's what we're supposed to be when God says, no, sometimes he's gonna make you, you know, he sent uh, Moses, right, to lead the children of Israel and Moses couldn't even speak. He had speech problems. He had Aaron doing most of his talking for him. And he looked at me and said, God, you're gonna send me in here to talk to Pharaoh and to lead a nation? I can't even public speak. So it didn't look like on the outside what God called him to be on the inside. See, what God calls you to be on the inside won't always match with what's on the outside. Because he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to operate by faith, access things from the kingdom of heaven to be able to do what he's called you to do. God will not, 
He will never call you to do something in this world that you have all the natural giftings to do. There are natural giftings. We can use them for the kingdom of heaven, but he's always gonna call us to live by faith beyond us, right? He called us to move to Florida and start a church. Did we know how to do all that? No, we step out by faith and do what God's calling us to do, and then we start a church. Then he says, I've got this building for you. Are all the seats full? No, not all the seats are full, but did he tell us to fill all the seats before we got the building? No, he said, get the building, and then we're gonna bring all the people and we're gonna fill all the chairs, right? So do you quit doing what God's called you to do because you can't see the full revelation of it? No, you know it on the inside. And that's that faith that's working on the inside. Now, it says he revealed it to us, I'm getting ahead of myself, revealed it to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches the, all the things, yea, the deep things of God. Now in verse 12, now you have received, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. It says in John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, this is the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't say what the Holy Spirit wants to say, but he, who, uh, he does not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit is here to show us the heart of the Father. He is the same as, as Jesus was on this earth where he said, I only do what God says to do. I only go where God says to go. I only say what God tells me to say. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. They are representatives of God the Father, right? And as Christians, if we would learn that, if we only spoke what we heard on the inside, what our spirit says instead of what our head says, how many ever met somebody that says everything their head says? You're like, man, they're just, they're just spitting it all out there, right? Bible says in Proverbs, they call that person a fool, but we won't go there. So we know in Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend reading your Bible, the more time you spend learning what God sounds like, learning how God operates, learning what he's already said, the more you'll begin to recognize him speaking on the inside. Because it sounds the same. It sounds the same, right? I can call my house. Remember back in the day, well, now everybody's got a cell phones, so you know who you're calling. But remember back in the day, right? You call the house someone answers, you know who it is because you recognize the sound of their voice. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when, uh, when Coben was born and we were in the hospital room, right? And we had people come in to visit and get to that point. And our pastors, Pastor Doug and Lucinda came in and Miss Lucinda was talking, you know, coming to visit the baby. These were our pastors. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Doug said something and Coben started moving head perked up, started moving around. Why? Because for nine months, Pastor Doug was on a loudspeaker every week coming out at a volume level so the entire congregation can hear and he recognized his voice when Pastor spoke. And it was the same with Daxel too. When Pastor spoke, they immediately recognized him, would look around. I know that voice, right? It was the same with, with Brock. As a matter of fact, when Brock and Aiden were, were in mom's belly, I was playing the guitar and singing to him and Brock used to dance around on the top of mom's belly when dad was playing the guitar and they recognize the voice. They know the voice of those that, you know, they know mom's voice and when mom would speak to them, they recognize the voice. When you spend time with somebody, you begin to learn their voice. That's the same with the Lord. The more time you spend with him, the more you recognize his voice. The more time you spend with the distraction in this world, the less time you'll hear him. It's where you spend in your time. Where are you pressing in? Now, 
God will all, he will, he will speak to us. He will give us direction. He will show us blessings. He will put things in our life that are awesome, right? Sent us to Florida and told us to start a church. And this is great. And we're so excited to be here. We were having so much fun when we were putting up the Christmas decorations. We put on Christmas music, you know, Haley and I were joking around. She was taking pictures in front of the, the door. Haley did the, the Christmas wrapped door back there. And then she was taking selfies. So I had to pull out my phone and act like I was taking selfies just to pick on it. But we had a blast, right? This is a great great, wonderful thing, and this has been really, really awesome. But what if tomorrow God said, I want you to do something else? Right? What's the one thing that you know God told you to do in your life? Right? Everybody has at least something where you know God said to do this, or this was a blessing sent by God, right? I was believing God for a new car because I just needed transportation to get to work, and God blessed me with this car. Or I was believing God for a guitar, and someone gave me a guitar. There's always been something in our life that we knew we were standing in faith for, and we were believing God for, and it was a blessing. But God will challenge your ability to hear his voice by rec- by. by, by reminding us that listening to his voice is more important than anything that he provides or any blessing, right? We want to know the voice of the Father instead of the hand of the Father. What's more important to us, being blessed by him or hearing his voice? See, a lot of Christians will get off here. This is where most of the prosperity message in today's day and age has gotten off because they've started to seek the hand of the Lord instead of the heart of the Lord that it's more important to be blessed by God than to hear what God's telling them. See, this happens all the way back in the Old Testament. It's almost like God knew this was gonna happen, right? So he's gonna give us a whole example. That's what the Old Testament is. Old Testament is God showing us, look, this is where people got off. This is how he helped them from getting off. This is the lesson that you should learn from this, right? He did this a lot in the Old Testament. So let's jump back to the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 22, verse one. And it came to pass after these things that God had tested Abraham. Abraham, mighty man of God. I feel a little bit like Abraham, you know, God came to Abraham when he was living in his father's house, right? We were living up in Illinois near my parents' house, you know, all this blessing. I was in the church that my dad led worship in, a church that I grew up in, right? Kind of felt like being home because this is the church I've known my entire life, right? The pastor, Pastor Doug, who was our pastor there in Illinois, babysat me when I was a kid. I mean, I've known their family my entire life, right? Kind of like being home. God called Abraham out of his family. He said, I I want you to go to a place that I have for you. He didn't even tell him all the things that were gonna happen. He just said, I want you out of there and I want you to go. So Abraham did. Abraham followed the voice of the Lord even though he didn't see what was gonna happen. And as he did, God did promise him a few things. He promised him a heritage, a lineage. He promised him, you know, this family line all the way down, generations upon generations. And Abraham sought after God. You know, and after a long time, After a lot of struggles, he ended up with Isaac, right? Even after having Ishmael trying to do things his own way, that's a whole other story. We'll get there one of these days. But he ended up seeing the blessing and he got a son through a wife that was 90 some years old where it didn't look like the blessing was gonna come, right? How many have been that way sometimes where God promised you something in your life and it seemed like it was never gonna happen and then all of a sudden you see the hand of God move and the miracle of God move and boom. I mean, it was 10 years years ago that God told Tiffany and I that we were supposed to start a church. There were times when we were walking, we used to do, a, we did the 75 hard challenge where we'd walk several miles and we'd go walking through the town of Gibson City talking about, well, we're going to go start a church somewhere. We know God's calling us to start a church somewhere. We would talk about it, 
while we're walking through this town, I was still working a job, still working at church, you know, and you're doing the same thing every week, and you're going to church, you're worshiping God, and you're going, is this ever going to happen? Are we ever going to see what God has promised to us? Are we ever going to be able to step out and see the blessings of the Lord? Well, it happened to Abraham. So what is something God spoke to you? What is something, whether it was direction or provision or promise, you know, God said, I want you to go to college. I want you to, to get this education, you know. I, a spouse, you know. I believe God for a wife and God sent me Haley, right? That's what Aiden was thinking. Whether it be a job, I, I believe God for this job and this, this amazing job and I just love this job, right? Whether it be vision, you know, God, I'm, I'm believing for direction in my life, right? Or a spouse or you know, several different things. What, just keep that in mind. What is that one thing that you knew God just provided and it was just a blessing? Verse two, he said, take your son. What is the son? That's the thing that he gave. That was the promise. This is the very thing that he promised Abraham that it took him years to obtain. Take your only son, Isaac, whom you love. See, for me, the best thing that I can compare this to is summer camp. So we were youth pastors for many, many years. We're youth pastors out in California. And I knew that, that summer camp is something that's been dear to me. I've been, I've been going to summer camp since I was like, too young to go to summer camp. My mom was a, a craft lady. My mom was an art teacher and an English teacher. And she got invited to the summer camp in Bloomington, Illinois uh, to do arts and crafts for the whole camp. Well, she wanted to come, but she didn't have babysitting. So I was the, being the youngest boy. I don't even think my little sister was born yet. Uh, their camp went all the way down to kindergarten, but I was actually preschool. I was four instead of five. But they said, you can go ahead and bring him and um, you can go ahead and go in with the kindergartner. So I was actually the youngest kid. I was a year younger than everybody else in that cabin. Can you imagine having a cabin full of five-year-olds? Bless the counselor that was in that cabin. I don't even remember who it was. But because I was a year younger, everybody in that whole cabin had nicknames. John Flowers was named Flower. They, They called him Flower. We had Tank, who was this little, thick little kid that run everybody over. And they called me Shorty because I was shorter than everybody that was there. That was my, nick, my camp nickname. I was four years old instead of being five, and they called me Shorty because I was shorter than everybody else. I went to that camp until I was in my 20s before I moved to California. I was a counselor, I was helping, and all the way up into my 20s, everybody called me Shorty. And I'm taller than most of the people that were there, and I outgrew the nickname, but it stuck with me. But a camp was in my, my blood from all the way back when. When we were out in California and we were youth pastors there at uh, Faith Family out in California, we started a summer camp and we used to take the kids up to Jeunesse Park and we had a couple summer camps that were up there and we, it was a blast. I remember the first time we went to, a, went to a cabin and Mike and Rose Hunter came out and he smoked a tri-tip in a barrel. Have you ever had tri-tip? It's a California cut of steak. I, you, I, down here you can ask for it. Some butchers will know what it is and give it to you, but it's, it's a cut that California is known for. But you slow cook it and then they slice it open. It's just amazing steak. But he, he, he came up and he did this whole cooking. We ate really good at that camp. You know, we we're thinking hamburgers and hot dogs, and he's over there smoking tri-tip. When we got back to Illinois, God called us to come back here, and then we started working in youth ministry. I just knew summer camp was something we wanted to do. So I remember that first summer camp back in 2008, and we decided to take a bunch of tents out to a, just a, a state camp, a campground there in Clinton. And we set up tents, and it was the worst camp ever. 
I mean, we almost got divorced. Uh, meals were two hours behind. Kids were starving. Uh, Chelsea, or not Chelsea, uh, Desi Medina got clotheslined because we were playing Red Rover. And two boys, the teenage boys, thought it'd be funny. They pulled their hands tight. She's all of five feet tall. It hit her in the neck. It flipped her legs up like this. She, she's choking and gagging, you know. It was, it was everything that could go wrong at that camp went wrong at that camp. It was just like, oh my gosh, why are we even out here doing this, right? And it was bad. But we knew camp was something that was going to be big for us. Now, after all these years, camp grew into something that was really big. We ended up finding a great place. And hundreds and hundreds of kids came through that summer camp. And as those that have been know, lives were changed. Power of God began falling at summer camp. As a matter of fact, there were things that were, that were born at summer camp that were produced at church. Our, our open worship Wednesday night started at summer camp. Because we, the kids came to camp knowing that if I pressed in and sought after God, that he would show up. And it happened every single year. And they started, even Pastor Doug would say that, these kids have learned how to pull on the anointing. And they came hungry for God. And things that would, would take all the way to the last night of camp started happening on the first night of camp because they realized I don't have to wait till the last night of camp to get my things from God. I can press in on night one and we can see the power of God move. And we saw hundreds and hundreds of kids' lives changed. And that camp was born out of a lot of pain, out of a lot of grief, but it was something I knew that God wanted us to do. And that became... My Isaac became the very thing that I felt like was a promise from God. Became the very thing that, man, we were proud of camp. It took a lot of work. We had a ton of help that came out. It took hours and hours of preparation every year, but it was just a labor of love, and it was fantastic. But he said in verse 2, take your son, the thing that I gave you, your only son who you love. Love summer camp. Love summer camp. And go to the land of Moriah. Now that word Moriah means chosen by Jehovah. Go to the place that I chose and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. See, it happened to us towards the end of our time in Illinois. God was saying, I need you to hand over camp to somebody else. And I began to realize that this promise that God had provided for me began to be more important than listening to the voice of God for what he had next. See, that'll happen in your life. God will provide you with a great job. He will provide you with, you know, things, stuff, blessings, spouses, so on and so forth. And there will come a point in time where he will say, what's more important to you, the blessing or my voice? What's more important? In verse three, Abraham rose early, which right there shows us his heart. He didn't wait he didn't lollygag. He didn't hold back and say, well, God, you know, there's not too many people out there that can run summer camp. Do you know what it takes? Of course, God knows what it takes, right? Lord, there's just, you know, you gave me this wife. Are you listening to the voice of your wife over the voice of the Lord? Should be similar. If, you know, if your wife is listening to God as well, you should both be listening to God. But that, you know, God, you gave me this job. I need to be at this job and I need to do the best for this job. I know I'm missing out on things that you're telling me to do, but you're the one that blessed me with this amazing job. A lot of people have done that too. I believe God for this great job. And then all of a sudden I get the great job and the blessings that come with the great job and then the job becomes more important than God. He rose early, showing his willingness and obedience saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he split the wood for the burnt offering. He rose and went to the place that God had told him. Not only did he get up early, 
He even prepared and he took the wood and said, I'm ready to give it up. He took the wood. Now, on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad that I will go yonder, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. You know, there's times where God's going to call you to lead the people that are around you, right? Because he took some people with him. Come learn from this. Come travel with me. There's times when you need to separate yourself from all of that and be with God. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. Verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. You know, there's times that those blessings that God give you will speak, right? You know, your flesh speaks. My flesh speaks. says, I want cheesecake, right? Does your flesh speak? Say, I want pizza. <laughs> I want this. I want that. There's times where those blessings will speak to you. Well, you had the voice of your job will become louder than the voice of God. The voice of college will become louder than the voice of God. The voice of stuff becomes louder than the voice of God, and he's wanting to know what's your priority. Things will speak to you. We can't be led by what God gave us. We have to be led by his voice alone. Now, in verse 8, Abraham said, I'm sorry, I skipped here. Uh, Isaac spoke to the father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look at the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb and a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Even though Abraham didn't understand what God was doing at the time, he knew that God would never leave him. God had given him a promise and he knew that God was faithful. So in the moment where he didn't quite understand, he still spoke faith. He said, God will provide. God will provide. He knew that I, to please God, I still need to keep my faith engaged. I still need to keep my listening to his voice engaged. I still need to keep him first. Abraham is showing us the way to continually see blessing. And they came to a place in verse nine, a place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood on the altar. I placed a wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand, he took the knife to slay his son. He was willing to let go of the very promise that God had given him to show God your voice is more important. I will do what you tell me to do. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God. That word fear means reverence. I know that you recognize that God's voice in your life and your relationship with him is more important than any blessing. It's more important than any provision. It's more important than any promise that your relationship, your respect and your fear of the Lord is first. You know, God came to a point where God said, are you willing to walk away from summer camp? Are you willing to walk away from the comforts of living in Illinois? We had a great house, right? When we first moved to Illinois, we didn't have a house. We stayed with my mom and dad. Aiden and Brock were sleeping in the apartment upstairs, mom and dad in the basement down. We were packed into my parents' house trying to look for a place to live. And the first house that we got was the pirate, we called it, the kids called it the pirate house. But boy, it had some issues. There was an old rental house, old farmhouse. That's the one where you guys knocked the Christmas tree over and went through a window, broke a whole double pane window. It was a whole thing. They were running around the house and they knocked over the Christmas tree and it went through the window. I was working. Mom was freaking out, right? And then from there, we thought we needed a bigger house, but we couldn't really afford much, and we ended up in the big house up on Guthrie. 
This whole time thinking there was this really nice neighborhood. Boy, it'd be great if we just lived in this neighborhood. This, it's like there's a couple neighborhoods, right? We were, just thought it'd be really awesome to live in these great houses. And we're, we're slowly understanding the promise of the Lord and we're doing what God's telling us to do in Illinois. And at our whole 16 years that we're there, we ended up in the house in the nice brand new subdivision, the nice new house, completely finished basement, four bedrooms, four bathrooms. I'll never forget, we toured the house with a realtor. And <laughs> this was a whole big thing because somebody didn't like to go to the bathroom anywhere but home. So somebody <clears throat> would go to church every Sunday morning and our church was 15 miles away from our house. And somebody would beg to leave church at noon. This one was coming up. Can we go home? Can we go home? Can we go home? Can we go home? Because I knew he refused to go to the bathroom at church. Why? I'd have no idea. He's like four or five years old. So it would be a race back to the house. And immediately it was, I call this bathroom or I call that bathroom. And out of his mouth, we're looking, we finally reached the house that we, you know, this was the nice house, right? Out of his mouth is, everybody can poop at the same time, right? Because there was all these bathrooms, and he was just astounded by that. He thought that was the greatest thing in the world, right? Because we had arrived. And then God says, I want you to move 800 miles away. Start over, right? To the place that I'm calling you. where I began to realize the very blessing that God had given us, am I now looking at this blessing as some sort of status symbol in the community, how people are viewing me, right? Because there's that need on the inside of most people of, well, I just want everybody to see me as something. You know, I'm trying to put on this, put on airs. They have to see me as the greater than I am. You know, we live in this side of town. We're from this side of the tracks, Instead of that side of the tracks. There was a lot of that in the itty bitty little town, but there was a lot of that in the town of Gibson City and all the different classes of people, right? Which the highest tier being from Gibson City, born and raised, generations grew up in Gibson City and you had money, right? There was this, this, you could have money and live in the nice part of town, but if you didn't have history of generations living in this town, then you just, you weren't part of the upper class. It was just weird. 3,000 people all thinking that they're all that. It amazes me how people are. But there are times in your life where you realize the blessing of God was good. That house was great. I love that house. But guess what? It's just a house. It's just a house. It might have been something that we had longed for for many years. It might have been something that we had sought after and that God had blessed us with. But were we willing to stay in the blessing instead of continuing to listen to the voice? What's God telling us to do? What's he speaking to us? What's God telling you? What's, he, what's his spirit speaking to your spirit and leading you and guiding you? Abraham lifted his eyes in verse 13. It means more than just lifting your natural eyes. See, the eyes are the window to your soul. There's the window to your body. In other words, he exalted if you look at the translation in the, in, the, in the Strongs, it says, he saw above his ability. His spiritual eyes were opened, is what that means. He lifted his eyes. He, he re, saw revelation by faith. And he looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. Abraham took the ram, offered up a burnt offering, and sacrificed instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And that Lord will provide, what it actually is in the original Hebrew, is Jehovah Jireh. It's Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah 
sees or Yahweh will see. In the place chosen by God, it shall be seen. If you are in the place where God is telling you to go, even if it's a place that looks like you're gonna have to sacrifice something that's important to you, he wants to open your eyes to see. He wants to show you spiritual revelation. When you're in the place that God has sent you, he'll begin to show you things to come. When you're in the place, even though it looks like a place of sacrifice where he's asking you to lay something down, he's asking you to give something up, he wants to open your spiritual eyes to see things you've never seen before. He wants to be, bring revelation into your life. The ability to hear his voice and see through his eyes is more valuable than any possession, any blessing, any promise. We want to know what's on his heart. We want to see through his eyes. We want to hear his voice. It says in verse 15, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God is saying that he wants to bless beyond you if you'll listen to his voice. We can't get so consumed with the blessing being just for us. When you read through, and we talked a little about this a little bit last week, when you read through Hebrews 11, right? They did not, none of the people in Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, that by faith Abraham, by faith Noah, by faith Isaac, all of these by faith in Israel, they never saw everything God blessed them with because it took generations to fulfill the blessing that God put on their life. Their actions of faith rippled through generations in their life to produce the blessing. And then in Hebrews 12, it says, they're the great cloud of witnesses that is watching over us, still seeing the blessings from their actions in our life. See, the things that Abraham did, we are under the blessing of Abraham because we are sons, right? says we are sons and we are in that sonship, we're now in the blessing that went all the way back to Abraham. His decision here ripples all the way through our life. And he's teaching us as our father of faith. This is the thing I want you to take with you today. If you only remember one thing, the voice of God is the most important thing that should be in your life. Do you hear his voice? Are you spending time in his presence? Are you spending time listening on the inside guy saying, God, what do you have for today? Yes, there's things that God wants to provide. Yes, there's blessings and provision and things to do, but do we hear his voice? Are we so focused on the stuff that we quit listening to the master? Are we so focused on the blessing that we don't listen to the blesser? What's the last thing God told you to do? This is usually something I walk through with most Christians that come up and say, I feel like I can't hear God's voice anymore. I don't feel like God's talking to me anymore. I can't really understand what God's telling me. What's the last thing God told you to do? Did you do what Abraham did? See, when he called Abraham out, Abraham rose early and went. What's the last thing God called you to do? Did you do it? Because it's like, it's like a, you know, when you're a parent with a child, and you say, I want you to take off the trash. And then the trash doesn't go out. And then they come back and they're looking for blessing and they're looking for whatever. And it's like, you didn't even do what I asked you to do. Why would I give you more stuff to do when you didn't do the last thing I asked you to do? What's the last thing God told you to do? 
What's the last thing God told you to accomplish in this world? What's the last thing God spoke to you on the inside? Did you listen? Did you honor the voice of the Lord that was coming in your life? A lot of times when we feel like we can't hear God anymore, it's not that God's not talking. It's not that we, we, we've cut it off because we weren't willing and obedient. Our attitude towards God's voice wasn't where it needed to be. You wanna hear the voice of God more clearly in your life? Go back and say, what was the last thing I feel like God spoke to me? Or you need to go back and say, am I allowing too many distractions to come in? Too many other voices. A lot of voices in this world. A lot of things that want your attention and scream for your attention. A lot of people that have made entire careers out of marketing and getting people's attention. Ads and advertising. Devices they're putting in your house now to listen to everything that you're talking about so they can put the right advertisement in front of you to sell you something. Because this world is trying to get your attention away from where your attention is supposed to be? Do we take the time every day to silence everything that's around us, to turn it all off? I love the fact that my iPad has 15 translations of the Bible, if not more. I mean, I've got an app, the Olive Tree app, man. I can, I've got the Strong's on there. I can click on the Word and it pulls up and I've got all this great technology. But in the same sense, I also have something that's constantly trying to get my attention. What's the first thing I notice when I turn it on? Notifications on the home screen. Things trying to get my attention. There are times where you have to set all that aside. Maybe pull out your paper Bible, I know. Ah, paper Bible. And say, God, what are you trying to tell me today? What do you have to say to me today? And then when he speaks to you, what are you gonna do with it? What's your response when God speaks to you? Because your response when he speaks to you determines what he wants to tell you next. Your response when God speaks to you will change or determine what he's going to tell you next. Have you been responsive to him? Have you been obedient and willing? Because the Bible says the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. What's your heart been? Father, we just pause for a moment this morning. Before we go on the rest of our day, before we go on the rest of our week, we just pause. Father, I know that you want to speak to us. Father, show us every morning how to get rid of the distractions, the things of this world that want to consume our ears and our eyes, that want to fill us, Father, with their agenda and not your agenda. Father, help us to put aside all of those distractions and those things, those, those weights that are trying to hold us back from the race that you've called us to. Father, help us lay those aside and listen to your voice. And not only listen to your voice, but Father, be quick to respond when you tell us to do something, when you reveal something to us, when you show us something, Father. Help our heart be right. Help our response be right. I'll leave you with this. The best thing about God is he's not, he's not a, I heard someone reference this week, a nun from Catholic school growing up, standing with the ruler, ready to smack your hand. It's not who God is. It's not, that's not the God I know and the God that I serve. The God I know and the God I serve is the prodigal son in the New Testament. He's the father waiting at the end of the road. He's not sitting in his house waiting for the son to come back. He is out at the gate, 
at the furthest point of the property, waiting for the son to turn around and say, I want a relationship. If there's any point in time in your life where you felt like that you've just walked away from God or you weren't listening to God or you weren't paying attention, all it takes is turning around and saying, here I am. That's all it takes. He's a loving God. And what does that father do? He doesn't bathe the son. He just puts his robe on and puts his ring on his finger and says, this is my son. Let's celebrate. He's back in the kingdom. That's what God does. If you feel like you've, you've done something that's come between you and God, there's no big, long process. You just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm coming back to you. Let's have this relationship again. And he says, I'm right there. I'm right there. Ready to love on you. Ready to meet with you. Let's do this. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Paul, and I wanted to thank you personally for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do that will help us out. Hit the subscribe button and rate and review our podcast. If you would like to invest in helping us reach more people for Christ, head over to livingwordpensacola.com and click on the online giving button. Thanks again for joining us today. Now go out and tell somebody about the love of Jesus.